Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode. It's definitely a unique one. Our guest didn't show up which we hope that she's okay. But me and Glenn took over and just kind of interviewed each other and hung out with our live audience. So this was definitely an episode to remember. We also tasted the Heavy Hands IPA from Spindle Tap. It was a delicious beer and this was such a fun interactive episode. Can't wait to share it with you guys. Right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Brews Less Traveled podcast in Beer Club. As usual, I'm your craft beer loving host, Molly Lamb. Welcome back to Houston, Texas. We have another great week here in Houston filled with delicious beer in the Bayou City. And I am with my co-host, Glenn. Glenn, how are you? You want to say a quick hello? I'm doing really good. Very good to be here. Very good to have uh, have have another uh, one of these great beers from uh, Spindle Tap. Yeah, I loved the first one, and I can't wait to try this one. Yeah, yeah, I'm. Uh, I think it's going to be great. Yeah, I'm super pumped for this one. So we have their Heavy Hands. It's an IPA. It's a double imperial hazy IPA. So I'm pumped to open this one. We were supposed to have a lovely guest tonight named Caitlin Johnson. Unfortunately, I have not heard from her. Uh, No big deal. We want to make this an actually much more interactive episode since we don't have a guest. So we want a lot of interaction from you. We also have a nice small group here tonight, which is super fun. I know it's right before a holiday, so that's kind of normal. But really engage with us tonight. We're pumped to be here. I'm kind of excited to have a solo episode. I don't know about you, Glenn. I'm excited to talk to you more and our audience members. No, yeah, exactly. I, I'm curious to know who we've got out there uh, that we're talking to. And I'm also, uh, we can, we can, uh, I mean, we know each other pretty well already, but we can get together to know each other uh, better yet still and uh, and learn things about each other. Yeah, no, this will be a fun episode just to, yeah. just to get to know everyone. But uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and open a beer. What do you say, Glenn? I think we absolutely need to do that. Yeah, so let's go ahead and open oh. this Heavy Hands IPA. Here I'm excited go. for this one. Love an IPA. I've got a tulip glass. What do you have here tonight, uh, Molly? I have my uh, pirate glass again. Great. Yeah, this is one from my local place. I'll give a little shout out to them, the Beer and Cheese Collective in Astoria. Yeah. See, so, yeah, the one we had last week was definitely West Coast, and this is definitely a hazy. That's yeah. just like, that looks like a creamsicle there. And hazies always give you this really fluffy head, this beautiful nucleation from all that kind of extra protein left over from the hops that's suspended there. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Yes. Oh, that's delicious. It's really good. It's really good. Oh, man, that's that's so good. What, what's the uh, ABV on that one? So, yeah, let me go in a little deeper about this beer. So, like I said, it's an imperial double hazy IPA. Clocks in at 8% ABV. And they're using all citra hops here. And I really appreciate a single hopped beer because you really get to know the hop in there. So this is Citra. This is nice and juicy. It's in my opinion, it's not as juicy as Mosaic. I love hazies and I know you see Mosaic a lot. I love that hop. That one's almost like juicy fruit. Citra, this one's like, you get a little more of that, that very slight grapefruit rind, that like a little bit of bitter fruit on Mm -hmm. the just a touch, but super plush mouthfeel. Yeah, I really like this one a lot. I um, I just love that it's like so smooth and uh, and really mellow and and 
sweet, but not overly sweet. It's just it doesn't have that that really like, you know, what you get with the, with, the, with the I just I guess I just always I prefer hazies and doubles. This is a flavor of it is what I generally associate with double IPAs. Yeah, and this is great. It's very cool. So this is like an old school video game animation on here. Is this from the video game? Mike Tyson's punch out. I'm curious. Does anyone know? It's a good question. I, uh, I mean, I, I looked, it, it, it looks to me like maybe that's what it specifically is. It looks to me like generally though, the graphics that you see with a lot of those like eighties video games from when uh, you'd play it in the arcade. I, um, I don't know much about video games, but my boyfriend was like, Oh my God, this is the coolest can. This is Mike Tyson's punch out. I was like, Oh, okay. I did spend a lot of time in video game arcades in the, in the eighties, but I, uh, I, I, I wasn't really big on the boxing games. Yeah, I liked I loved Donkey Kong. That was Donkey my- Kong was fun. Yeah, a uh, Pac-Man, Dig Dug. I liked any ones that didn't really seem so much as the real world. The ones were just like people like just punching each other and fighting each other and uh, and, uh, you know, ripping out their spines. Not really so much my thing. This is now a video game podcast. FYI. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm hey, not like a super. Beer touches a lot of different categories, it especially does. with a can art like this. Well, I think that um, I think that's one of the cool things that can art can do is it can sort of draw from different memories, you know, and then taste and smell is its whole own isolated memory, but then can art so visual, it's really fun. So that, that was a mm. cool conversation, yeah. Uh, but when we first featured Spindle Tap, so we of course talked about their amazing beer that they have that we're solidifying tonight with this amazing double IPA, but they also have a coffee company. So that's their sister company. And they have a lot of great causes there. So they have a partner program and it exists for one simple reason. And it's really to bring hope to communities that their partners serve by using their coffee beans and resources to raise funds and awareness to advocate for their partners' missions. Yeah, I was noticing that on the website. They have like a ton of different uh, charities that they're helping out with all of this. Uh, A couple of them are uh, Boots for Troops and uh, including Kids Autism Center. Um, And it's interesting because I I noticed they have a coffee subscription service on there. I, I have to tell you. That I in the last year and a half, well, I guess it's almost two years now. Uh, last year and a half, for the first time in my life, I've gotten most of my coffee through mail order. Uh, it started out with like there's a place I used to go to in the East Village, and I still I'm, I'm, I'm back there a few times. But I was just the idea of like the stuff in my neighborhood. I would just go to the grocery store, go to places to take out, and I couldn't the coffee places I liked. I just didn't want to go all the way down. They didn't want to go that much outside my apartment, so I started getting it mailed in from them, and then I started using other places. Uh, that we're dealing with various sustainable ideas. Uh, one of them is uh, just coffee.coop. Uh, another one is uh, birds for, uh, which is called birds and beans, which is specifically bird friendly coffee. I cannot live without coffee. And I find mm. that a lot of beer drinkers are also coffee drinkers. I think it's something like about the, the bitterness on the palate. There, there's some sort of similarity there with the coffee bean and the hop flour. There, there's some sort of similarity there. I would definitely sign up for a coffee subscription, but I would want it to vary. Yeah. And this is like one of my favorite beer drinking seasons too, just because there's nothing better than curling up with a beer and watching a great movie. We still have a few fun things for you guys to do in Houston. Oh yeah. So this one is actually my personal favorite. 
So they have a rooftop cinema club. So moviegoers can catch a range of cult classics and new releases. They use state-of-the-art wireless headphones so you can experience the movie to its fullest. And in case someone is chewing popcorn next to you a little too loud, you can just tune it out. Plus, you'll catch breathtaking views of the Houston skyline because of its prime location. Yeah, and I also, uh, there was one place I was looking at, uh, McGonagall's Mucky Duck, which is a great place for dinner and a show. They're a fantastic venue for live music. Um, and on top of that, they've just got a really good, it's interesting, uh, we've been talking about how incredibly culturally diverse Houston is. This is essentially, it's uh, it's an Irish pub. Um, but it, I mean, and so, it, but it's also in Texas, so you can get stuff like well, burgers, of course, but like fish and chips and shepherd's pie, but they also have tacos. Um, but it's really become uh, famous as a must see nightlife venue with a rotating calendar of live music and entertainment six nights a week. Yeah, Which, uh, these were two of my favorite things to do in Houston. I love the idea of a rooftop movie. They were playing, I think it's tomorrow. They're playing 12 hours of Elf. And I looked on the website, all sold out. All 12 hours of it completely sold out. They're playing Christmas movies. It's a Wonderful Life. Yesterday they were playing that, all sold out. So you got to go there and catch a movie. And yeah, the McGonagall's, that's actually really funny because some friends of mine, we have a joke with the word McGonagall. We went to Portugal together, me and my friend and her husband a few years ago. They were like, we're traveling, come meet us. I was like, right on. I'll be there in a minute. Hopped a flight to Portugal, met them. And we were just making fun of ourselves. Yeah. Because we were just like so American. Like I was trying to speak Portuguese, which is really hard to do. And we just called ourselves the McGonagall's, kind of like the Griswolds. You know, it was like the McGonagall's, like, take Portugal. (laughs) And then we went kayaking. We did like a nine-mile kayaking trip. And I capsized my friend, my my friend's husband. We called him Senior McGonagall. I, like, hit him with my kayak. So then we were the capsizing McGonagall's. So it was like the McGonagall's just completely got effed up in Portugal. So I died laughing when I saw this place was called McGonagall's. And I had to message my friend about that. That's perfect. That's uh, that's, that's a, lot, a lot better than I was because I was starting to think about Phil McCracken, but that's a whole other uh, joke. Now, Molly, I almost got myself in a little bit of trouble a couple of weeks ago when you were talking about the whole uh, hide the pickle game. Uh, but I, I understand that in the last week you have found somewhere to hide your pickle. You went out and bought a tree last week. Yes, I did. I got my Christmas tree. So excited. And I don't know. I'm just such a Christmas person. I mean, obviously de- decked out to the nines right now, but um. Yeah, got my Christmas tree last week. That was always a big, big tradition in my family was decorating the tree. And yeah, we I got my little, you know, my little glass hand hand balloon pickle. I hung it above my I have this uh Chester drawers and I put some of the excess Christmas tree branches there and I hung it there. So it's like it's it's not hidden. It's actually very much a focal point, but I think that's how it needs to be. So it's like the the very well seen pickle. It's <laughs> but yeah, it's a German tradition. You hide the pickle in the tree and you have to find it. Is it though? Is it German t- tradition? Because I actually read somewhere. I think it is now, but I read something that where it's actually there's a, a couple of different things, and and so any version of this is apocryphal. But I read somewhere that it, it was thought to be a German tradition, but it might actually have been started in this country. Uh, when glass ornaments first became popular and that Woolworths needed to do some sort of tag in to sell these glass ornaments. 
So they started this thing saying it was a German tradition. They even came up with a name for it, um, which I'm going to find in, in a moment. I sent, I know I sent you a message about this one, I, but it's got it's come some sort of like silly name. But actually, the thing is, it did take off so much that it is celebrated in Germany now. But that might have been an offshoot of what happened here. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I it's that. It's it's it, it, I love the idea that like it was just some sort of someone trying to sell sell stuff at Woolworth said hey you know maybe we can make this work and I love that it's become a thing because I've encountered so many people that know about that but uh, Glenn I'm curious what is your like since we don't have a guest tonight I want to know like how did you get into craft beer did you just kind of always always love beer I want to get to know you a little bit more well I, honestly I, I love it, the fact that on uh, on your show. Uh, you always you started asking people about their craft beer origin story, um, because on my podcast, which you've been doing for a little more than a year now, that was something from the very beginning that everyone uh, we didn't use the word craft beer. Everyone would get their origin story. But we'd started doing it since uh, the name of our podcast is the Beer Avengers that we've said, well, since all every superhero has an origin story that our beer, super bureau, maybe I don't know what you want to call that, uh, but that we would that we would we would have something. And so. Our first three episodes were our three main hosts all telling our origin story. So that sort of became a staple. Like when we had you on, uh, you we, you told your origin story. Uh, for me, uh, when I was much younger, uh, just, well, let's let's pretend it started when I was legal. Uh, I might have occasionally dabbled before, but really like, like many people, uh, when they're very young, they drink what they can afford and they either decide that that's horrible swill or they decide, well, I guess I'll just push past it and drink this. And I might have been that category a little bit, but it wasn't until around the uh, I'm going to say early 90s that I started to have access to better beer. But at the time, it was mostly just stuff like uh, I think my regular beer was Bass Ale. Uh, and then occasionally and then once I started to discover Newcastle Brown, that was my favorite. Yeah, I would still do Bass Ale when I, you know, most of the time, but but Newcastle Brown was really good. Uh, but I didn't really start to get into craft beer in a serious way until I went to a bar called the Pony Bar, just a little more than a decade ago in in New York City in Hell's Kitchen. Uh, the original occasion of that was at Forty Fifth and Tenth, and what they would do this was really pretty amazing. They would have twenty beers, all American craft beer before people were even using the term American craft beer. They were the full name of the bar was the Pony All American. And they'd have 20, 20 beers. Uh, and at that point, I, I feel bad even saying this because it's more now because it's been a little while and inflation is tough and New York real estate is tough. But at the time, every beer was $5. Yeah, every beer was $5. They had different sizes of them. Some of them were eight ounce pours. Some of them were 14 ounce pours. But it, they just made that easy. Everything was five bucks. Uh, and for an hour every day, it would be $4. So you'd go there and you'd taste all these various different things. I would say when I was there for happy hour, I'd be more likely to go for the nine ounce pours uh, or eight ounce or whatever it was. Um, I would say like, okay, load up on those during the happy hour and then luxuriate over the 14 ounce pours later. But that's how I really started to develop my palate for beer. Um, and then uh, it was some point, a couple of years into that, when I started recording, I know I mentioned on the first episode that I have over 1300 beers listed on untapped. That's really when it started for me. Uh, and the reason is because when I'd be going there, there'd just be so many different beers and I'd go in one week or, and I, I, you know, over a long period of time and I might see a beer like that one sounds really familiar. Do I like it? So I'd be able to look up at untapped and say like, Oh yeah, I had this 
six months ago on a Tuesday and and I gave it four stars. So I guess I'll have it again. Yeah. Untapped is so great for kind of being a little bit of a, uh, a catalog to kind of remember where you've been and your beer history. Yeah. And Bruvana is a, ver- a verified venue. So, yeah, I see a lot of people, uh, they'll do their posts and say like, you know, yeah, that's yeah. Bruvana. I see it a lot. That's very cool. So be sure to be sure to tag us. Be sure to tag Bruvana. Let, let everyone know where you're getting these awesome beers. Now, now, Molly, I could tell a little bit more of my beer story, but I don't know. I don't, well, you see, because I, I, I've listened to as many of the podcasts as I, as I can, but I don't know how many uh, how many of the people here who, who listen to this, who show up every week. I know you have people who have been showing up every week for months. How much of uh, your beer story do they know? Yeah, you know, I mean, my beer story is not really that super interesting. I've just I've just kind of always loved beer. H- has anyone ever seen the movie Cocktail with Tom Cruise? Has anyone ever seen that? Movie? I, I think I remember seeing it at a dollar so, theater in Mobile, Alabama, when it was after yeah. its original run. Yeah. So Elizabeth Shue, when she first meets Tom Cruise, he's a you know a cocktail bartender at like a tiki, like a tiki bar in like you know the Bahamas or something. And he's like, "Can I make you a like a you know fancy cocktail, like a daiquiri?" And she goes. I'll just have a beer. And I remember my best friend at the time, this was like in college, we were watching this. And she goes, that reminds me of you, Molly. You're always like, I'll just have a beer. And I was like, yeah, you know, because it was always seen as, as this almost like simple drink to order. Yeah. It was presented in movies like, I'll just have a beer, you know. And I just always liked beer. It was just something that my palate always did really well with. I was always able to recognize flavors. I, I I just always really enjoyed it. None of my friends really drank beer. And I was kind of the, the like funny one who like just drank beer, you know? And then, um, I dated bartenders and, uh, one guy that I dated, he taught me a lot about craft beer. I learned a lot from him. And then one beer that really sort of set me off into my love of craft beer was Sloop, uh, their juice bomb. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. It's just well done. It's just kind of like a nice, not super thick, hazy. It's like just a really, really approachable beer. And then so that kind of solidified me. And this was maybe like six years ago or something. And I was like, oh, man, I love beer. I forgot I love beer. I drink a lot of wine, too. I love all fermented beverages, really. And then during the pandemic, I remember there was one day specifically I was like, God, I'm, I'm like sick of wine. So I like went to the local bodega and I found a founder's KBS shout summer. Like, I think I dusted it off and I had remembered this beer. I'd had this beer before. The Kentucky breakfast stout. Yeah. In, in June, it was probably expired. There is no expiring with barrel aged stouts. They just that, get better. Yeah, and maybe. Don't you think so? I mean, I mean, you're a cicerone. I, I, th- I think generally that the the barrel aged stouts almost always get better with age. I, I think everything expires, like even like freezer foods. Like I think okay. everything does have it, but but I hear you on that though. Yeah, I, yeah. Like ultimately, it's fine. It can sh- it, it can sit on the shelf longer than yeah. other things for sure, for sure. And and I kind of. I didn't really know that at the time, but I remember like I like reached back behind the white claw. It's probably covered with dust. And I was like, oh, a stout. Yeah, I've had stouts before. I was like, this sounds great. I just don't want wine right now. I chilled it. 
cracked it open. And again, it was June. It was hot out. It was not stout season. But as as you agree, Captain Porter Brown, it's always stout season. There is no stout season. It's always stout season. (laughs) I had the AC on in my apartment. Yeah, they're just such beautiful beers. They're just so full of flavor, and they just to me they taste like memory. Um, Uh And and I just was like, I just remember taking a sip, and I was like, damn, that's a good beer. Let's take a beer break. So Glenn and I were just talking about how long beers last. So of course, most beers are going to taste their best right when they leave the brewery. Typically, most beers in a can or bottle will last about three to six months in your refrigerator. Some higher alcohol beers like barley wines or imperial stouts have a much longer shelf life. This is most likely because alcohol is a natural preservative. Sour beers can also benefit from aging because of the mix of yeast and bacteria can actually lead to a more evolved taste in that specific beer style. As beer ages, some flavors can change. This is because of how oxygen reacts with the compounds from malt, yeast, and hops. Bitterness is known to decrease over time, and sweetness is known to increase over time. If you're looking to age a beer, it's going to depend on a few factors, and you'll definitely want a cool, stable temperature and out of sunlight, of course. Since bottled beer has a little bit of oxygen between the beer and the cap, it's actually not best for aging. So look for a can. And crowlers and growlers are going to have a very short shelf life, just like a few days is typically when it's best to drink those. And that's because of the oxygen that's exposed to the beer when it's being filled. I hope this is helpful and I wish you all happy beer aging in your future. And then I just said, I want to learn to homebrew. Turns out I'm not a great homebrewer and I don't really have a passion for it. Uh, and then I just wanted Because to- you wanted to make lagers. That's why, isn't it? You really wanted to make lagers. You're a perfectionist and you couldn't make that at home. Definitely not a perfectionist. No, I... Uh, I <laughs> I'm just I, trying to give you an out there, Molly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just was, didn't have a huge passion for homebrewing. But uh, yeah, then I just started taking classes online at San Diego State and Cornell. Then I did a volunteer program in production out in Colorado Springs and then got this incredible job. And, you know, the rest is history. And I knew, I, I, I knew, I said to myself, because I was a skincare esthetician for a long time and very anchored to my business. You know, I owned a facial studio and before COVID, I think I had like 10 employees and I had, I had two brick and mortar locations and, and it was everything to me, but I was very anchored very tied down, kind of trapped a little bit to it. And then uh, when I got into craft beer, I said, this is going to take me places. This is something that I'm going to do that's going to open a lot of doors. And I'm really happy. I, I There has never been a better decision in my life because I'm here with you, Glenn, and all yeah. the folks in the chat. And we're just kind of kicking off the holiday season. I mean, this is really, really cool. Yeah, it is. I, uh, it's, it's funny. I have a we're talking about various holiday traditions. One, I, 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 I'm not as much into the holidays as you are. I mean, uh, my big Christmas movie is tomorrow night. I, this is not a Christmas movie. This is just a movie a friend and I have been meaning to to get together and watch. I have a couple of friends coming over tonight, tomorrow night, and we're going to watch Fire Walk with Me, which is the prequel to Twin Peaks. It's not especially not especially Christmassy. It's rather disturbing, but that's you know, but it still has the the the, the people getting together as friends. And there is a special uh, thing that I make this time of year every year. Uh, it's made of uh, 
of bourbon and milk chocolate and sour cream and powdered sugar. And I put the chocolate in a double boiler. And as soon as I get off here, I'm going to put the whole thing together and chill it overnight and turn it all into balls tomorrow. Nice. I know this is, we're a little off topic with the beer and all, but I'm just excited about that. No, but that sounds great. I mean, I feel like that would go nice with a stout, actually. That's a good pairing. I kind of like to do the sweet and sweet. Like, I, I don't think it's too cloying. If you're just doing like a little bit, like a small pour of a stout and just like one little bourbon ball, I think that'd be like really nice. I also yeah. love like a bitter West Coast IPA with anything sweet for kind of like an yeah. opposite effect. And uh, yeah, I hear. OK, I see. Joel, you joined a homebrew club that helped you kind of dial in the homebrewing. What were the things that you learned the most from the homebrew club, Joel? I'm super curious. That is awesome. I love that. Um, We actually do that too, not to steer you away from who you're already being taught from. But yeah, Bruvana, we do live homebrew sessions too. Yeah, yeah. I've I've taught, I I taught one and only one. (laughs) But uh, yeah. It's, I, I, it's it's interesting. The joke I mentioned before about how that Molly didn't do it because she really was wanted to make lagers is because generally speaking, home brewers, unless you're really, really committed, are mostly making ales. So if you go to including the packages we have available through Bruvana, as well as if you even go to your local uh, home brewing stores, they're mostly centered towards ales because uh, lagers are too much work for home as far as the climate control. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and the one thing I love about our homebrew kits that we do, they are so foolproof. Like they are awesome. I the one I taught, it was like a company happy hour. You know what I mean? So it was like yeah. that like were all over the gamut. And it was so fun. I actually loved teaching it. It was really, really fun because it was so, so kind of like foolproof. And I think we we use the liquid malt extract. And I think that really helps the LME. It's it, it's um, you know, it, it it's makes it taste delicious and, and just it's very easy if you're learning. And even if you have homebrewed before, it's still really fun because you still dig into the science of it and everything. So and in fact I know I know so I know that some of the, the, a lot of the people who are on here have been with you for months. Uh, so that you probably met Ethan a couple months ago. Um, this is really, really great. Uh, Ethan ordered one of those to make one himself and then shared it with all of us on our podcast. So we had an entire episode about the Bravana uh, golden ale. Uh, nice. uh, and so briefly we changed his name from beer wonder to brew wonder. Oh, <laughs> Ethan's the best. He's so funny. He's, yeah. I love, him. he's great. He's a good, he's a good beer vendor. The beer wonder. Oh, I, I, and you're a wonderful beer vendor as well, Mel. Thank you. I can't wait to be on your podcast a little more. The, uh, the world of podcasts is. We'll have you on very soon. Yeah. It runs so deep. This has honestly been really fun just to kind of engage with the chat a little bit more and, and Glenn talk to you a little bit more. But this beer well, I, is treating me so, so good. It's it's pretty remarkable. And I'm noticing this beer as it opens up a little bit more. I'm actually getting a little bit more of like the fruit from the citra. At first, it actually tasted like a touch more bitter. It almost tastes a little sweeter now. One thing I'm noticing about it is that... Uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna drink one beer instead of two over the course of a show, I'd rather it be an eight percent double IPA. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Since all our other episodes are two beer shows, it's nice that this one this is one that this is one you can really savor and enjoy over the full length of the time we're all spending together. 
All right, we have a question about beer with prime rib. My my go-tos with food, especially meat, are brown ales and amber ales, Kathleen. I uh, really, really love that. I would definitely, personally, I would probably choose a brown ale. Um, and yeah, I'm seeing some people saying a Belgian. Yeah, absolutely. But with meat specifically, a brown ale, that kind of like roasty. I, I, this is interesting. Uh, Other Glenn has another question about uh that we're talking about the fruity flavors from it is the fruit. Uh, is there actual fruit in this or is that due to the quality of the hops? And do we know that? Cause I, I uh, this is all the hops. Yeah. Yeah. This is all citra hops. They're not adding any fruit here. So yeah, it's kind of wonderful and amazing how you can get all of this fruit flavor from a flower. A hop is a flower. And when they dry hop it, you're not extracting that bitterness from the lupulin gland that gives it that kind of resiny, piney, bitter flavor. They're dry hopping it. So it's just extracting that beautiful plush fruit flavor in the mouth. Yeah, isn't that kind of wild? You can get this from a plant, man. That's so cool. I, that's the same, I yeah, it's like it's a nice parallel to the fact that, you know, we get chocolate from chocolate hops, which which don't have chocolate in them. You don't have to have a chocolate adjunct for a beer to taste like chocolate. Um, I've been uh, one of my favorite uh, things to try and bone up on these stuff about all this as I'm learning, because there's an endless amount of stuff you can learn about these things is the beer Bible. And, you know, we often talk about uh, it's grains, hops, or sorry, grains, malt, uh, water, and yeast. Is that how we, we usually say it? Grains, malt, water, and yeast. Yeah. Uh, but what they refer to in that book is they refer to malt specifically as spice. Oh, lovely. Uh, because really malt, I mean, even, even things that have chocolate malt or, or other like malts that have a fruity thing aren't a large percentage of the malt that's in it. You'll have a lot of the malt that's a little more neutral, but just that little bit of chocolate malt will make the whole thing taste like chocolate. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And it is, it's so like the, the ingredients in beer are so minimal, you know, there's not like typically like the root of beer. Like if you're going by the Rheinheitsgebot German purity law, you're just yeah. doing barley for your malt right. and water and hops. I mean, you can do so much with those. So, so much with those. You can get that chocolate flavor. You can get something kind of juicy and aromatic. You can get something resinous and bitter and piney. I mean, you can do a lot with it. And that's what, for me, that's what fascinates me about beer. Just completely blows my mind every time I have a beer. And then you get into the fun of adjuncts. Yeah. You know, you get the fun of like, let's add cranberry juice into this, or let's add like peanut butter. Cause I love a peanut butter porter. Or Oreo cookies. Oreo cookies with cream, like yeah, anything. <laughs> but uh, yeah, beer is. So we should fun. we should do a beer soon that has uh, Oreo cookies and and something like that soon. Maybe next week we should do a beer like that. Well, you know, I think we got one coming up. You guys, Excellent. Yeah, thank you all so much for tuning in today. Because next week we are actually going to have a couple beers from Ingenious Brewing Company. We're going to cheese and cream Imperial Milk Stout and their Hall Pass Kolsch. Love a Kolsch, and we're going to chat with their head brewer James Carlyle. And I cannot wait for that episode. We are really going to wrap up Houston with a bang. And as usual, you guys have been 
the best audience ever. And I have to say, I think this has been my most fun episode ever. Just getting to this has been of- great. All right, everyone. I wish everyone the merriest of Christmas to whoever is celebrating. And I hope everyone who celebrated Hanukkah had a wonderful Hanukkah too. And I will see you guys after the holiday. Thank you all so much. This was really fun. Cheers. Good night, everyone. Thank you all so much for tuning in. It's always a blast having a beer with you. Don't forget to sign up for the Bruise Less Traveled Beer Club. And this way you'll get the beers I've been drinking delivered right to your doorstep. Plus exclusive access to our weekly live streams. You can also follow Bruvana on Instagram and me as well at Molly underscore Bruise Less Traveled. I always love hearing from you guys, especially if it's a beer recommendation. So keep the messages coming. Cheers.